following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, episode 778 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am, unfortunately, your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by, fortunately, your host, the lovely, the talented, and the scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody. Do you feel safe, Jesse D? I always feel safe. You always feel safe? Yeah, That's I'm, nice. I'm, what a nice feeling. I'm a secure, <laughs> um, physically capable still, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel safe. What do you mean? Usually, listen, <laughs> not to do any sausage making or, mm. or, or, or allowing people in, but you know, pulling the curtain back and allowing them to see mm. how the sausage is made. Sure. Most times we start... With an intro segment to the show, I know where you're going. Mm-hmm. Right now, <laughs> for better or for worse, I have no idea where this is headed. So, Well, I'm talking specifically about the changing COVID protocols in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. Because since living here, we have had to show our vaccine. No, no, no. Let me change the way you spoke about it. Okay. We get to do it. What did I say? We have to do it. Oh, okay. Sure. Well, it is a requirement, so you do have to do it. Uh Uh-huh. Saying it like that makes it seem like a burden. Yeah. (laughs) We we get to do the dishes. (laughs) Didn't we have didn't we have someone on who that was their life philosophy? Ted Ted Larkin wrote a book called Get To, I think. Is that what it was? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Rather than like, if you're doing the dishes, you don't have to do them. You get to do the dishes. Yeah. 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 So anyway, we got to show our vaccine passports to uh, people in restaurants They're not in order vaccine- to eat there. It's not, well, I guess it could be considered a vaccine passport. I'm just it's- using the language of conspiracy theorists. Uh, I know. I know. I know. And I'm pushing back ardently and ineffectively. Yeah, but that's no longer a thing. That's gone now. We do not need Is to it a, show. It's officially gone here in D.C. now, right now. Yeah, like you attempted to do it yesterday and he didn't give a shit about that at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did notice he didn't give a shit about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which huh. I, I get because I, I think it has been an added burden for employees of restaurants to have to deal with yeah. people not wanting to do that yeah I get, it's been I, added stress added pressure I, I hear that from business owners i hear that excuse all the time but you know what else is an added added uh, bit of work is if you work in the restaurant industry is checking somebody's id before you serve them alcohol yeah no i'm i definitely want the vaccine thing to continue and i'm should i continue to derail your question about whether i feel safe or should we i mean i feel like you feel safe regardless of what's going on that's the message that we're getting here Well, i think i'll i'll still probably feel safe but i'm i'm opposed to rolling it back have we not learned anything yeah 
How many times are we going to, oh, everything's back to normal, mm-hmm. and then, oh, my God, new variant. Yeah, wait, no, it's not back to normal. <laughs> I went out and got my haircut today, and I was listening yeah. to WTOP, traffic and weather on the 8s, everybody. Is it on the 8s? It's on the 8s, yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, it's a news it's a news radio um, uh, oh, station. Oh, is it? I didn't get that from your... Traffic and weather on the 8s. <laughs> uh-huh. And they were, they were talking about a new variant... Like oh, the, were they? The, the B2 something or other. Hmm. Yeah, like the BA2 or the B2A. We should probably Google it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is supposed to be more, more transmissible than even Omicron. Hmm. So here we are in the middle of rushing to get back to normal, quote unquote, while there's a new variant on the horizon. It's just... We did the same fucking thing with with Omicron, and here we are with a new variant, dropping all of it. It's it's just it's too soon. Well, in just the, give it a couple of weeks, give it a month, give it two months. In DC, the indoor mask requirement is also going to expire on right. February twenty eighth. Which, come on, we can continue to wear masks indoors. The thing is, they're going to be required in certain places still on public transportation. Right. If you get in an Uber, if you're at a healthcare setting, yeah. So what's what's in different government about, buildings? What's different about those places? Right. But, what is different about those places? If you're going to be in close proximity to other people, like in a government building, for example, yeah, yeah, how yeah. is that any different than a grocery store? It just seems very short sighted. It seems that politicians, one like politicians do, are not learning from our mistakes of the past. Mm-hmm. And two, um, are caving to the loudest element among the citizenry, which is oppression. I'm, it's tyranny, y'all. Wear the mask. Calm down. It's fine that you have to wear a mask. Well... And why are Democrats, like mayor, uh, the mayor here in, 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 in D.C., caving to this guy? Donald Trump, baby! And, and Gavin Newsom doing the same thing. What are they doing? Yeah, well, especially when after two years of this, it should not be a big deal to be wearing a mask at this point. At all. Yeah. So we're going to play a clip from Rochelle Walensky, the CDC director, in a bit. But first, we want to get to some listener communication. And we actually have two text messages to read, which we don't often do because we don't often get text messages. I don't think people know you can text the number. Well, some people know because we got two text messages. That that is true. (laughs) The number being 657-464-7609 and the email address being, I doubt it. At Dollamore.com. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Jessica from Iowa texting about your segment on safe injection sites. I think they're a great idea. I bristled at the idea at first. I bristled at the idea at first also. And then after hearing about the resources and safe environment, I changed my mind. I think what people against this idea need to consider is, would they rather an addict OD on their front stoop or alleyway, or would they rather the person be in an environment they can get treatment and help quitting if they are ready? Nothing else has worked, so why not try it? Thank God the government is open to trying new ideas. It makes me hopeful that we might be going in the right direction, albeit slowly. Yeah, I would... um... If I was going to clean up your language at all, Jessica, it would be to say, and I know this is unsolicited, (laughs) it would be that 
it shouldn't matter whether they OD on your doorstep or whether they OD in an alley. It's a human life that's dying. Shouldn't we do everything we can to protect human life? I mean, we've, we've witnessed over the course of the last two, going on three years now, this pandemic, and largely our policy has been geared toward saving as many lives as possible because they're human lives. Even the idiots who are refusing to get vaccinated. We, their lives are still valuable. I mean, they're dumb fucks, but it's still a human life that we need to try to protect. Well, and that's what I think Jessica's saying. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. In, in response to people who are struggling to really grasp the concept because everyone is so focused on punishing people who use drugs rather than trying to help them or reduce the harm that is involved yeah. in using drugs for people who continue to use drugs. So I think the the main point there is that nothing else seems to be working very well. And so why not try these harm reduction strategies that are evidence-based and really work to make <laughs> legitimate improvements in people's lives? Yeah, that is, that's the crux of it too, is that it, it is evidence-based. It's not like a it's not like, ah, we'll just take a stab in the dark and see what works. We'll, we'll, we'll experiment a little bit. And it's trial and error. Mm-hmm. It's not. There are models across the globe in countries outside of the United States that have done things, Portugal being a, a model example, and they work. So it is evidence-based. This is, there is a track record. Just because we haven't done it here doesn't mean it hasn't happened. And we can follow those models and very likely uh, experience the same successes they have. Yeah. So thank you to Jessica from Iowa for your text message. And happy that you decided to text the show. Even though we don't talk about it as an option, it is an option. And what do you know? We have a second text message to the show from Uncle Blasto. About the dryer, I was glad the people I bought my house from moved across the country because otherwise I would be in prison for murder. (laughs) Having said that, I did some real dumbass shit that somebody else had to deal with. About the guy with the dying dad. My father was a full-blooded Norwegian. He grew up in Minnesota during the Great Depression, fought in the big one, flew C-47s, never ever spoke about it. The only thing I knew about World War II from dad was that we were never going to Texas and we would never eat mutton, which was fine with me. My father was the quietest man I have ever known, borderline vow of silence. To get a half dozen words out of him was a minor miracle. It was the way he was wired. Legend has it that he and my grandfather spent three days building a brick fireplace and chimney, never spoke a word to each other. He never hugged me. He never shook my hand. He certainly never told me he loved me. It wasn't in his nature. But he loved me dearly and I loved him. My father's opinion was that words are meaningless, only actions are real. So I never got my magnet. It's okay, I don't have a fridge. Take mine and stick it somewhere in D.C. That works better for me. Thank you for all you do. You make my life better and I appreciate it. Well, that is very nice, very kind. Thank you for... um Giving your perspective on, I believe the caller's pseudonym was that other guy. Correct. Giving uh, your perspective on that. Uh, it is out of my realm of, of ability to give advice on. First, I mean, not like I'm some advice giver, but I don't operate like that. So it's very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. I, I would, it would have been, I mean, I didn't really have a dad as we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. Uh 
but it would have been a difficult thing for me, like if I'd grown up with a mom who wasn't expressive because I am, and maybe I am the way I am because of the way I was I was raised. But you know, love is it's a it's a chief driving motivating force in my life, and I, I don't know what it, what it, what it would have been like having a parent who didn't express it the way that I'm so accustomed now to to having it expressed. Right. As as, as far as the magnet is concerned. You're getting your magnet. We didn't print hundreds of magnets mm-hmm. and have them ha- pay to have a moving company move them across the country. Yes. Who know how? Mu- who knows how much that extra added? Mm-hmm. Um, so we could not send them out. So we're going to send you your magnet. You're getting it. If you choose to go stick it on a metal pole somewhere where you live, that's on you, Uncle Blasto. Yes, absolutely. So if you would like to join Uncle Blasto and send a message in for that other guy, we can put it on the show or we can send it directly to that other guy if you have feedback on his situation with his father. We appreciate it very much. Uh, We have a call to get to, uh, which is, I I believe, very likely going to um, initiate conversation within the audience. Hi, this is Ann Wayne, and I'm calling from Tacoma, Washington. And I want to know what you think of this Sam Brinton, who is an, who has been hired as an assistant secretary to the Energy Department, who is a drag queen. Who? How, how is he even qualified to be hired in the the Biden uh, the Biden team? What what's going on with that? Take a look at this guy. It's ridiculous. Sam Brinton. I hope you check into this for me. I want to see you on YouTube. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, one, I don't take orders from fucking bigots, so that's probably not going to happen that way. Well, so what's interesting about this, and we don't normally play your YouTube communication on this show because they are separate in terms of listener communication, but we I, also don't play communications to this show that only address me, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, yeah. But this, uh, you played this right before we did this, and I said, you know what, let's, let's play that on the show. Because this is someone who watches you. Yeah. This is someone who, want, I mean, is fond enough of you that they reached out to you because they want your perspective on this. Mm -hmm. So they're a viewer. They're likely someone who votes Democrat. They likely consider themselves a liberal. And yet they have this reaction to Sam Brinton being hired as the deputy assistant secretary of spent fuel and waste disposition in the office of nuclear energy, referencing only one thing about them that they're a drag queen with vitriol what and kind, bigotry what kind of qualifications she asks yeah well you how is just... he even qualified she said how is he even qualified which uh, is misgendering them right yeah so again just punch that into google and you will see that sam brenton is a graduate of mit with dual master's degrees in nuclear engineering and technology and policy programming so that is how they are qualified for mm-hmm. the job that they've ostensibly been hired to do i, I 
I don't know that it's been verified that they work for the Biden administration. I believe the White House hasn't confirmed it, and there's various news outlets. I was reading various reports about this, and the Department of Energy hasn't responded to requests for comment, but Sam Brinton is the one that announced that they had been hired yeah. for this position. So. And and they are gender fluid or don't fall into the traditional kind of normative uh clothing and whatever it, it just it, which it, which it, has created a situation for attacks yeah like uh, they wear makeup on their face they have uh an uh non-traditional haircut like maybe a mohawk i saw in one i mean it just who gives a fuck as long as they're doing their job well right who cares what they do in their extracurricular personal life right are are they breaking any laws uh, no. It, are they hurting anyone? Uh, no. Then leave them the fuck alone and let them do what they do. Well, and Sam Brinton has been an activist working in the space to end conversion therapy for quite some time. Yeah. And there's a clip that you found, Jesse, of Sam talking about their experience coming out and why they're passionate about wanting to end conversion therapy. I will never forget the day um, that I learned that I was just a little bit different than all of the other little boys that were um, around me. While digging through the trash, my friends and I uh, found a Playboy. I felt myself so holy and righteous that it just didn't affect me. That, wow, I had gone to church so much that this horrible temptation, which was, you know, making all of my friends very excited, was was useless on me. And so I immediately went and tattled to my parents. My father, beaming with pride, uh, told me that if I ever had those feelings, though, I should talk to him about them, and we would pray about it. I, <laughs> without thinking, looked at my father and said, well, I sometimes have those feelings when I think about Dale. And I just said it that matter-of-factly because I didn't put two and two together that what I was doing was coming out. My father didn't take that very well. He would become extremely physically abusive and I would actually wake up in the emergency room because I'd been punched so hard. My mother would step in at some point um, and say that, like, hitting Sam isn't working. Um, We need to do something more scientific. And that was when we found conversion therapy. I think the worst part about conversion therapy is the lie that it provides to the parents. My parents were sold snake oil, telling them that they could change their child into an all-American boy. And in the end, conversion therapy nearly killed me and destroyed my relationship with my family. Project recently released a survey that found two out of three LGBTQ youth said someone has tried to change their sexual orientation or gender identity. 5% said that they were in formalized conversion therapy. And in a heartbreaking statistic, 57% of transgender and non-binary youth who have experienced conversion therapy have attempted suicide this past year alone. 
that's a really big reason of why we have to do this work to end conversion therapy, is that if we're going to end LGBT youth suicide, we have to end the cause of the harm. So, this is why I get so upset. Um, And some may push back and well that she's not maybe a bigot she just is ignorant if you espouse bigoted views and you're asking how are they qualified or as she said how is he qualified for for this job with the biden administration and the the detractor is uh the the, the drag queen remarks it's just you know what fuck you let this person live their life let them contribute to our society through a high-level, fantastic job because of their education and their expertise. And let's not further stigmatize Sam Brenton and others like them into a situation where they are seeking to end their own life prematurely. Again, with the theme of the month about harm reduction, that's what we should all be seeking to do is make people's lives easier and not just otherize them. Mm -hmm. You don't know what, what, I don't know what Sam Brenton has gone through in their life. And, and, and you know what? I, I, it has, it doesn't fucking matter whether I know. All I know is I don't want to be a detractor from happiness, I don't want to be a detractor from people leaving, leading the most full life that they can. Mm-hmm. And so, Anne, what's her name from Tacoma, Washington, is not going to get a pass from me when they're acting like a bigot. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think that that's an important point. I also think it's important to note that there are people walking around like Anne. Is it Anne? I think so. Like yeah. Anne who would call themselves a Democrat, call themselves a liberal, say that they're very open and that they are compassionate and they're they're different than the Republicans. They're yeah, different oh yeah. than the conservatives. When really this isn't different. And you are contributing to pain with these views. And who knows what she says in her private life or what she has said to her kids if she has them or... How, how that influences other people around her in, right. in her social network or her circle. And this can be very hurtful. So maybe someone listening to this has similar views where they learn that someone performs in drag and they think that that somehow would disqualify them from holding a job. I don't know. But it's important that we take a look at those biases and work on them so that we aren't hurting people. That's the important thing to do. And that's what I would advise Anne to do for herself. Yeah. Not increasing the quotient of sorrow in the world with your hateful, angry, bigoted language. Yeah. All right. Before we move on, a word from today or this month's sponsor on the this show. Month, yeah. Noom. One clear advantage of D.C. over Southern California is walkability. Though our cross-country move through a wrench in our daily routines, at least now we can simply open the door and go get some exercise. (laughs) Imagine walking to the grocery store in Orange County. Uh, No. 
<laughs> Exercise has been a primary focus of mine over the last six months since I started using Noom. Noom is not a diet. It is not simply a weight loss tool. It is a program that uses psychology and social science to change your behavior. We are so excited to have Noom sponsoring the podcast this month as it has helped me lose weight, exercise smarter, and feel better. Go to Noom.com slash I doubt it to take your free 30-second Noom quiz today or simply click on the link in the show notes to get your health headed in the right direction. Noom's super detailed exercise and food trackers give me a clearer understanding of how my effort is stacking up and where my calories are being spent. Wait until you see their food budget. You can even track your daily water intake and gain insights into your sleep habits. And you can do all of this in less than 10 minutes per day, thanks to Noom's use of cognitive behavioral therapy dispensed in intuitive and insightful lessons. Cognitive behavioral therapy is an evidence-based practice that helps people gain a clearer understanding of their negative thinking patterns and triggers so they can better change their behavior. This is how Noom goes beyond just a diet. Get your 2022 on track. Head to Noom.com slash I doubt it to take your free 30 second Noom quiz today or simply click on the link in the show notes to chart your path towards better health. And once again, we do absolutely want to thank Noom for sponsoring the show this month. Uh, And if you would like to support the show, this is a great and easy way and free way Mm -hmm. to do it is go take the click the link in the description. Take that Noom quiz free Noom quiz and it does help the show. So uh, before we move on, we do want to get to a little bit of follow-up. We talked about COVID at the beginning, how these these regulations are being rolled back, these rules, these vaccine um, verification systems or whatever. Mm-hmm. California's doing it. DC's doing it. And we have a clip from uh, the director of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, uh, talking about these guidelines and how they are meandering and, and, and changing over time. Omicron cases are declining, and we are all cautiously optimistic about the trajectory we are on. Things are moving in the right direction, but we want to remain vigilant to do all we can so that this trajectory continues. As we see the Omicron wave continue to wane, we know that you have many questions regarding what prevention strategies are really necessary for this moment, especially as people are so eager to remove them. At CDC, we provide public health guidance to help communities make decisions based on the risk at the local level, community-level guidance that offers the public information they need to stay safe and protect others. As I said last week, we are looking at all of our guidance based not only on where we are right now in the pandemic, but also on the tools we now have at our disposal, disposal, such as vaccines, boosters, tests, and treatments, and our latest understanding of the disease. As we consider future metrics, which will be updated soon, we recognize the importance of not just cases, which continue to result in substantial or high community transmission in over 97% of our counties in the country, but critically, medically severe disease that leads to hospitalizations. We must consider hospital capacity as an additional important barometer. Our hospitals need to be able to take care of people with heart attacks and strokes. Our emergency departments 
departments can't be so overwhelmed that patients with emergent issues have to wait in line. We are assessing the most important factors based on where we are in the pandemic and will soon put guidance in place that is relevant and encourages prevention measures when they are most needed to protect public health and our hospitals. We want to give people a break from things like mask wearing when these metrics are better and then have the ability to reach for them again should things worsen. If and when we update our guidance, we will communicate that clearly and it will be based on the data and the science. However, it's also important to remember, regardless of the level of disease burden in your community, there are still very important times to continue to wear your mask. If you're symptomatic or feeling unwell, you should wear a mask. If you're in the 10 days after a COVID diagnosis, you should wear a mask. If you were exposed to someone with COVID-19 and are quarantining, you should wear a mask. I know that everyone is anxious to move beyond this pandemic and some of the ways we have had to change the way we live over the last two years. We all share the same goal, to get to a point where COVID-19 is no longer disrupting our daily lives, a time when it won't be a constant crisis, rather something we can prevent, protect against, and treat. Moving from this pandemic will be a process led by science and epidemiologic trends, and one that relies on the powerful tools we already have, including vaccines, boosters, testing, and treatment. I hope the guy who is coughing with his COVID over the uh, audio <laughs> is okay. Yeah, I hope he's okay too. Well, I just want to say that it wasn't us. Yeah, it was not <laughs> us. That's it. That is important to note. Yeah. So I don't appreciate the line about giving people a break from masks. It's kind of your correction of me earlier during the intro where I was saying that we have to do this, which I wasn't intending to sound like that. I was just being a dick. Just calm down, everybody. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not used to that, so I was so thrown off when you were being a dick. Um, but giving people a break, we, we want to give people a break from wearing a mask. Like, no, it, it, this should be something that, we are encouraged to do for public health to protect other people. It's our civic duty. It's our responsibility to others. Well, is she also going, are they going to issue uh, Velcro tennis shoes to everybody because they want to give them a break from tying their shoes? I mean, it's, it's just as much of an inconvenience as that. Who cares if you have to wear a mask? It's, it's not, what do you need a break from? Well, and I appreciate that at the end, even though she said give people a break wearing masks, I don't appreciate that. I do appreciate that she said at the end there that you're still going to need to wear a mask if you're sick or you're symptomatic. Uh, 10 days after your COVID diagnosis, if you have been exposed to someone and you're quarantining, I think it's important to continue to remind people that even as they start to see the restrictions fall away in wherever they live that there are still yeah. going to be situations in which they will need to wear a mask. Things have changed. We're not going back to a period of time that we remember before the pandemic. Masks should now be a part of your routine if you feel sick. Yeah, yeah. If you have symptoms. Well, we've, we've already weather. said it. We'll never fly on a plane again without masks. Oh, absolutely I mean, not. I mean, I haven't Why been not? sick. I haven't been sick in years now. Yeah, it's That's, been nice. I'm usually, a, once a year, I get the flu pretty shitty. Mm -hmm. In fact, the last time I got sick was 
right when the pandemic started, there was talk about it. Remember, we went to D.C. Yeah, you on got a trip, very sick. And I and it, we were talking, oh, there's a virus in China. It was in February. Mm-hmm. And I got back and was fucking sick for like mm-hmm. 11 days. The sickest I've ever been. They gave I you still, an inhaler. Yeah, I got prescribed. I went to the doctor. I was so sick. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to be the typical dude who's like, I don't go to the doctor. Yeah. But, you know, it's... Here it's, we are. It's an inconvenient thing, you know? <laughs> so, anyway, I mean, I still think maybe I had it, and but who fucking knows? There's no way to tell. Yeah. But my, my the other criticism I have, and it's not really a criticism, it's just an observation, is... She's doing a lot of lot of heavy lifting here to, to try to convince the American people of when they should wear a mask and be respectful and all that. When almost half, let's say 30% of America doesn't give a fuck. 30% of America is like the Sarah Palin who knows she has COVID and is still dining out in New York City. Wild. Without a mask. Mm-hmm. So, we, I mean... I don't know that there's anything that can be done to convince that crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not tired of doing the right thing. They haven't been doing the right thing. Yeah, I mean, we know people <laughs> who got COVID yeah. and never got themselves tested Oh yeah, to find out that they actually had it, even though they know they had it, mm-hmm. and then never got tested before they went back to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, because of the stigma of it, or they don't want to have to say they had it, or they can continue to to convince themselves that they don't need a vaccine or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. very disappointing. Yeah. Well, we are going to continue with disappointing news, although I guess it depends on how you look at it. It's not going to be easy to hear the information that's coming out of this federal hate crime case with the McMichaels. You remember Travis McMichael, Greg McMichael, and William Roddy Bryan. The 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 the, the gentleman, the gentleman who killed Ahmed Arbery. Yes. Yeah. They are again currently going through their federal hate crime trial and some very disturbing but not surprising things are coming out about the way they communicated about black people in particular in their private lives. Well, the defense attorney for Travis McMichael said that some of those examples needed more context, and those examples were uncomfortable and hard to hear for some. The judge reminded the jurors to use those examples as evidence and not to judge the defendants for being bad people, but instead to consider if the prosecution is using those examples to prove their racial mindset. Ahmad Arbery wasn't the only person recorded on private property. Prosecutors showed how Travis McMichael has a history of it by showing a picture of him hunting next to a no trespassing sign and a video of him knocking over a no trespassing sign. I'm just glad the world sees it. Marcus Arbery says it was hard hearing testimonies Wednesday, but says he's not surprised. The state called FBI agent Amy Vaughn, who went through text messages and social media posts from the defendants. Someone posted about their surfboard being stolen and later recovered. Gregory McMichael commented on the post saying, maybe I'll catch the expletive in Georgia. We still hang horse and blank up here. Travis McMichael shared a video of a young black boy dancing on Ellen with a song in the background titled Alabama N-Word. On January 1st, 2020, the day Travis had a gun stolen from him, his good friend Derek Thomas sent him a video of a black man lighting a firecracker in his nose. Travis responded saying, been cooler if it blew that expletive N-Word head off. 
During testimony, Thomas agreed with defense attorneys when they said he loves Travis, just didn't like the words he used. Travis also commented on a video of a group of black teenagers beating up a white person. He said, I say shoot all of them, expletive. Those expletive monkeys. Poor Ahmad, he had no clue what he was running into. The testimony included a history of William Roddy Bryan using racial slurs and text messages on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, like I'm still working so all the N-words can take off. Having a monkey parade on Gloucester Street. Three days before the shooting, he said, I work like an N-word today. The whole series of emails from Roddy Bryan, who we were told was the innocent guy. The day after the shooting, Bryan messaged someone saying he had a really eventful day around here. He also frequently uses racial slurs when referring to the black man his daughter was dating, saying he fit right in with the monkeys. Now, in all of that, one portion of the cross-examination that we heard from Travis McMichael's defense attorney was that more context was needed and that you could not hear the inflection or tone of voice that was used in those messages. <laughs> we heard from the Arbery oh. family and some of their supporters not too long ago. They basically said that, if anything, the plot thickens following everything that we learned from today. They said that this is one of the reasons the family did not want that plea deal, so that everyone could see what would come out from these investigations with the FBI. We also heard from Larry English's on his recorded deposition that lasted for about three hours and 40 minutes today. The judge even had the jurors and everyone in the courtroom stand up and take a bit of a break. Court picks back up tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. We're live at the federal courthouse in Brunswick, Maryland, Parker Channel 4, the local station. I mean, you heard all those messages. So to hear the defense attorney say that more context is needed or that you couldn't hear the the tone or the inflection. I'm sorry, what? How would that change how would that change anything? Maybe they're just listening to a lot of Joe Rogan arguments and thinking that's going to work on people. Well, and the attorney said, quote, I've heard the N-word more today than I've heard it in the past three or four years, and we haven't even heard any evidence yet. Okay, number one, Ugh. what was happening three or four years ago? Right, to you? right, right. And then number two, it seems like evidence. Absolutely it is. It seems like important evidence. And that is the context, that this is how they live their lives. This is how they think of black people. Right. And they couldn't get a hold of, so Greg McMichael is the dad. They were unable, investigators were unable to get a hold of cell phone records because of phone encryption. But they have found other social media posts, Mm. including one that he wrote that said, quote, a gun in hand is worth more than an entire police force on the phone. And then there was also a video that prosecutors played of Travis and Greg McMichael laughing about trespassing on private property when they were out hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were laughing, saying, quote, there's private property and then there's private property, you know? So they're super concerned well, but, about... What, but what was their tone? I mean, what, what <laughs> right. was the context? They're super concerned about uh, <laughs> trespassing when it comes to Ahmed Arbery. Trespassing on not even their property. Right. Not even they were protecting someone else's property who didn't want them there, didn't need them there, who came out and said it wasn't a problem. And it perfectly sums up what they're saying here. There's private property for them, and then there's private property for other people. There's rules for me, and there's rules for other people. There's rules for white people. There's rules for black people. Yeah. And this is all getting to the heart of what they believe, and I believe their motivations yeah, they should killing. never they should never be let out of prison. It's just the way it is. So, 
I mean, it's it's hard to hear all of that, but I'm glad that this is coming out because we have another situation where two white men chased a FedEx driver with a gun. I'm sure that... Shot at him. Yeah, and uh, the cops at first didn't believe him, and he had to have his boss go down to the police station again with him to yeah. show evidence of the, the truck being shot. In and- fact, uh, FedEx even... Put him back on the route the same, the very next day. Yeah. Same route, same place, same trauma, reliving it. So we have another situation where two white men decided that a black man looked suspicious, followed him, shot at him. I mean, it's it's the McMichaels all over right, again. Right, right, right. And what They could we- be carbon copies if you see the photos. Oh, them. they, they yeah. look very similar. Yeah. Donald Trump, baby! They fit the tie. Yeah. So, we'd love to know what you think about these uh, and any other thing that's on your mind, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. We've gotten a few comments about the good looking reference in there. So shout out to Jeremy for the Patreon read because we have a few listeners that have written in about how they love it. Uh, it's Jeremy and Brian Try to Podcast is the name of their show. Yeah. So. so thank you for that. And now a special shout out to our new Patreon supporters, Emma C.W. Emma C.W. Sarah R. Sarah R. And Gary S. Gary S. Thank you so very much for your support of the show. We very much appreciate it and we would not be able to do it without your support. Remember that we turned on annual memberships. And if you would like to have an annual membership, It is an option. If you're already uh, a monthly contributor on Patreon, turning on annual memberships is an option for you. If you would like to do that, just pay for the year. It is uh, a 10% discount that we have if you do the yearly membership. (laughs) I don't know what's happening to me. You're struggleicious right now. My brain is slowly just petering out. Yeah, well, it's Friday. What are you going to do? Yeah, so... Thank you for that, and remember that we have our Patreon Hangouts next Saturday, because it's always the last oh, yeah. Saturday of the month, and we are going to do that at what time, Jesse D? 1 p.m. Eastern Time. 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So remember that if you are in the specific tier for the monthly Zoom Hangouts on Patreon, you will get a message with the link to join the Zoom call at the time of the Zoom call. Fantastic. We look forward to seeing you there. All right. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And uh, moving on. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So there's one thing that you're seeing right now. In fact, it's trending right this very moment on Twitter, but her emails. Oh, God. And uh, a lot of hypocrisy from from Republicans who were once absolutely 
outraged by the rampant criminality of, of Hillary Clinton with, with her email, the 33,000 emails that were missing or she didn't turn over because they were on the server and it was a personal server in her house that she was running her email through from State Department business and uh, private business. And listen, we talked about this during the campaign in 2015 and 2016. Um, I don't remember specifically how Brittany came down, but I absolutely, yeah, she was wrong. She should not have done that. It was absolutely inappropriate for Hillary Clinton to run her email server uh, and 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 mix private and and uh, work emails. For sure, we don't know what when she's in control of the server, what emails were being deleted and and what were being turned over. It shouldn't have been the way. The same thing went for Ivanka Trump when she became a Donald Trump's. Um, advisor a white house senior white house advisor same thing she shouldn't have done it either colin powell shouldn't have done it when he did it but those same republicans who were enraged about it are now singing a completely different tune about donald trump's mishandling of documents both uh, sensitive and actually classified but from ripping them up to absconding off to Mar-a-Lago with them, <laughs> and 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 the, the 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 National Archives and Records Administration just came out today and said they got them all back, and there absolutely were classified materials in there. Mm-hmm. So here is just as a reminder: here are three Republicans who we're going to play. The Washington Post put this together. Mm-hmm. Mitt Romney, Chuck Grassley, and Marco Rubio, who had something to say back then and then eh, very little to say now. There are rules and regulations that what she says and what she communicates and what she deliberates should be part of the historical record. But she chose to say no. I'm not going to follow those rules and regulations. Not only am I going to have private email, I'm going to put the server in my house so that there's no way anyone could find out what was really said. Certainly, it would be nice to have a historical record to know what the president said to other nations and to have classified information back. Uh, but uh, uh, we don't know precisely what's been lost and what will be able to be recovered. And as I said before, uh, he has a long list of things he's done that I consider to be very detrimental to the nation. And uh, I add this to the list. I don't put it at the top of the list. It's more down towards the bottom. Secretary Clinton sent and received emails that contained highly classified information. If the average American Ah. did that, they'd lose their clearance, their job, and might even go to jail. The law is the law and it ought to be enforced. I wouldn't separate Trump from any other public official. See, I mean, there's nothing special about him or anybody else. You got The law says you got to preserve records, so you preserve records. Hillary Clinton is disqualified from being the commander in chief of the United States. In fact, one of her first acts as president may very well be to pardon herself, because Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton stored classified information on her private server. They've made up so many stories about Donald Trump over the years that I mean, things that I just knew were flat out untrue. But nowadays, in the mainstream media, you just need one source to smear Donald Trump. Maybe you don't even need that. So it's hard to tell anymore what really happened and what didn't. The documents that were in Mar-a-Lago, by all accounts, were turned over. Look, if the process wasn't followed there, then that, there needs to be something that happens about that. It's not a crime, I don't believe. It's so f- bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. Is, is Lil Marco, as Donald Trump was famously loved to call him, 
is Marco Rubio so afraid of Donald Trump and or his followers that he is just voluntarily debasing himself? Just a dignity-free performance. Just no shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it seems to be the case for most of these people. And even Mitt Romney, I mean, saying there's there's many things that Donald Trump has done. I mean, he's he's saying Donald Trump has done so many things wrong but I'm still going to have this like very lackluster response to the question that you're asking because I'm just not in the mood to deal with any of this. So we play that to to, to kind of just, we want to remind like anybody needs reminding that Republicans are just not to be trusted. They're hypocrites. They're liars. They're, they're no adherence to any standard of decency or, or normality whatsoever. Like if Donald Trump's going to be let off the hook because, oh, well he does so many other things that are bad. Mm -hmm. We can't trust them. So right now, this John Durham is the special prosecutor who's been looking into the origins of the Russia probe. Yeah, the the wild goose chase that Donald Trump sent him on, and he's now coming out. And what's interesting is the documents that he's releasing and the the conclusions that he's coming to are absolutely not the same conclusions that you're hearing on Fox News and all across the conservative media sphere. Um. They're, they're lying about what his conclusions are. So what we're going to do is play, if you've heard about the Donald Trump saying that the, the Democrats and Hillary Clinton were Illegally spying. spying. Yeah, oh, people, would, people uh, in, in stronger times in our nation would be put to death for doing what they did. Mm-hmm. It's not at all what he's saying happened. It's not at all... What even uh, Fox News and Newsmax and OAN and the rest of these idiot outlets are saying. It's not even what the filing from special counsel John Durham said. Exactly. To listen to conservative media over the past five days, you'd think there was now smoking gun evidence that Hillary Clinton's campaign was guilty of illegally spying on Donald Trump. The Clinton campaign paid a tech firm to infiltrate the servers at Trump Tower and then later infiltrate the servers at the Trump White House. Has anything like this ever happened in American history? Not that we know of. This all stems from a court filing from special counsel John Durham, who was appointed by former Attorney General William Barr to investigate any potential wrongdoing during the 2016 Russia probe. The filing relates to a low-level case that Durham has brought against Michael Sussman, a cybersecurity lawyer who'd represented the Democratic Party and the Clinton campaign. Durham alleges Sussman lied to the FBI about who his client was during a meeting where Sussman shared information about possible links between Russia and the Trump campaign. But in a few extra sentences, Durham's filing mentions a second instance where Sussman tried to raise concerns of a Trump-Russia connection, this time apparently to the CIA. That information came from one of Sussman's clients, technology executive Rodney Jaffe. Durham's filing noted that Joffe's company, Newstar, had an arrangement to provide security-related work on computer servers, including the White House's. But according to the filing, Joffe used that access to mine internet data to establish an inference and narrative tying then-candidate Trump to Russia. 
Jaffe has not been charged with any crime. All of this has now been spun by conservative media and former President Trump himself to say Sussman and Jaffe were Clinton operatives who were paid to illegally hack into and spy on the Trump campaign and the Trump White House. Former President Trump wrote, in a stronger period of time in our country, this crime would have been punishable by death. In a column this week, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Charlie Savage of the New York Times wrote that the entire narrative appeared to be mostly wrong or old news and his conclusions based on a misleading presentation of the facts or outright misinformation. So you can actually see that Fox News is starting to move away from talking about this story already. Is that right? Well, according to this Mediaite article, in the past six days, John Durham was mentioned 219 times on Fox News. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as of like noon on Friday, his name was mentioned one time. Hmm. And it was by Steve Ducey on Fox and Friends. And it was in the context, according to this article, of Hillary Clinton being questioned by a reporter. So this was wall-to-wall coverage for days. Right, just enough time to whip the base into a frenzy where that's all they're talking about mm-hmm. when it's all fabricated. It's all misreporting on what actually, the conclusions that were actually come to by John Durham or, if you listen to Donald Trump from his statements, Robert Durham. Mm-hmm. Well, and like- He, he, mis- he said the wrong guy well, in the statement. Well, and like this, like this uh, clip, is illustrating with the interview with Charlie Savage. There's a lengthy New York Times article that Charlie Savage wrote, if you are interested in reading it, that goes through specifically why this is a distortion. But in this next clip, he's really going to get into easy markers for how we know this story is false. Hillary Clinton hired people who hacked into Trump's home and office computers. Despite right-wing media claiming an illegal infiltration of computer servers, remember, Durham's filing notes that Joffe's firm, Newstar, had an arrangement with the government to help maintain and monitor servers. In 2015, after a Russian malware attack and the 2016 Russian hack of the DNC, Joffe and other researchers used Newstar's data and other data to monitor cyber threats. It was that monitoring, looking for suspicious Russian activity that included the White House, the Clinton campaign, and the Trump campaign. She was spying on Donald Trump, the president. And I mean, I think the only conclusion can be this was an effort to overthrow the president of the United States of America. The most important and easiest to understand fact of all this is that the whole narrative is that they were spying on the Trump White House. They were spying on the Trump White House. And this data all came from 2016. This was Obama White House data. That fact alone makes the whole thing ridiculous. But there is no accusation in the filing that the Clinton campaign paid this technology company that was had a role in uh, helping to run the White House server. Uh, in fact, the money flow, if anywhere, went the other direction. So I cut the clip a little early there, but the the, the word was direction. Okay, the word was going to finish direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, think about that. They are reporting wall-to-wall about a story about hacking into Donald Trump's White House, and the data that they are referencing isn't even from Donald Trump. Yeah. It's time in the White House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
they're also acting like this is a new story, that this is new information that came out as a result of this filing from Durham's office. And the New York Times reported on that story, I think, more than four months ago? Yeah, that's right. Right around four months ago. So this isn't new information. Fox News isn't hot on the case. Jesse Waters isn't breaking news He's well, re- they're lying. Yeah, they're lying. They're straight up lying about this. Reporting false information, taking a a filing from Durham's office and making it into something that it's not, and doing that for days. Yeah, yeah, days and days and days. Like I said, in an effort, as I see it, to whip up the base into a frenzy, giving them red meat to talk about and think about, and distracting from all of the other important issues that need to be addressed, but... It gives them the the fury and the anger and the focus that the that they're given by Fox News. Right, right. It's gross. Yeah. Absolutely gross. It's also scary going into the election, what they are capable of doing. Right, absolutely. I mean, now, if they didn't know already, now they absolutely know that all they have to do is just bald-faced lie, mm-hmm. fabricate information, and it creates enough of a controversy that it could impact. Right. The 2022 midterms. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Tennessee preacher Greg Locke. Ugh, that guy is the fucking worst. He is indeed the worst. And this week he appeared on social media in my feed screaming during a sermon, I guess. is Was he doing a sermon? Yeah, he's not just attacking conservatives mm-hmm. and, and like uh, Andrew Seidel who wrote... Uh, the, the founding father myth, or what I don't know the name of his book, something about that, burning his book. He's, he's now attacking members in his own congregation. We got first and last names of six witches that are in our church. And you know what's strange? Three of you are in this room right now. Three of you in the room right now. What? You better look in my eyeballs. We ain't afraid of you, you stinking witch. You devil-worshiping Satanist witch. We cast you out in the name of Jesus Christ. We break your spells. We break your curse. We got your first name. We got your last name. We even got an address for one of you. You so much as cough wrong, and I'll expose you in front of everybody in this tent, you stinking witch. You were sent to this church to destroy us. You were sent to this church to lure us in. You were sent to this church to cast spell. Listen, some of you been sick because you befriended that witch. Two of you in my wife's ladies Bible study and you know who you are and we gonna ask you to get out or I'll expose you in front of everybody. We got all six of their names. All six of them. Two of them had already been confirmed before that thing ever even said it. First and last night, this chick is new to our church and don't know none of you. So you got a choice. You can leave with your spells all by yourself. 
or I'll show up next Sunday with a stage full of brooms. And I'll give you one and I'll fly your tail up out of this place in the name of Jesus. But we ain't playing your spell casting, witchcraft, nonsense, sage burning games. Everybody okay? The witches are like, nope. And your little dog too. You're out, witch. And the year is 2022. (laughs) What? I mean, also, it is alarming to me, Mm -hmm. not surprising, since this is the kind of church I grew up in. Mm Mm-hmm. They're hooting and hollering. They're they're oh. they're on board. They're not like, whoa, whoa, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you attacking the congregation? Yeah. What's going on? No, they're like, let's get those witches. Let's oh yeah. I mean, here, here's testimony from a member of the of the congregation. She's not a Christian. <laughs> I knew that one was coming. Of course, yeah, you knew that. That, one was that wasn't coming. a surprise. So Greg Locke has said that this was an edited video, which it is, and it has been taken out of context. He says that... Oh, more context is Two needed. of the alleged witches are men, and that they have all been sent on assignment to disrupt. So just in case anyone thought the witches were all women... Wait, that's the context that we needed? Two of the witches, they're men. So... It's important that you know that that oh, two of the witches. That that is, you're saying that is the context. <laughs> I was waiting for the context. Well, I think. Well, he was getting partially attacked for singling women out and attacking women. Oh, being I witches. See. So he wants to clarify that he's worried. Two that, of the witches are men. He's worried about cancel culture. Yeah, don't, don't worry, everybody. Me, y'all. <laughs> We're going to get the witches out, and some of them are men. That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. What? I A mean, dum-dum. Between this and the Catholic priest resigning because he said we instead of I and the baptisms, and now thousands of baptisms are invalid. Yeah, There's just yeah, yeah. a lot of religion news for the week, but we will end it there. <laughs> bye, bye. We love you guys. We appreciate you very much. We'd love to hear from you. I mean, really, we'd love to hear from you on this one. It's uh, She's not a Christian. A humdinger, as Greg Locke would probably say. Mm. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We sure do love you. We sure do appreciate you. And we sure will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been... I doubt.